What happens at laser tag never stays at laser tag. Laser. Laser unfocused tag talk. Laser unfocused tag talk. I feel like you could be like in Ghostbusters or something. Like that. Oh my god, you have got some stories. Let's talk about laser tag. Who knew you were a laser tag legend? Time to get laser unfocused. Tag talk with Tivia. Welcome to Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Hi, I'm Tivia. Whenever laser tag players get together, you know they always have stories. This podcast will be a place to hear those stories from laser tag players, operators, and experts in the industry. This episode, join me for a player profile as I'm joined by Scott Altpeter, aka Havoc, for some Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. So I'd like to welcome Scott Altpeter, aka Havoc with a K, to join me for some laser unfocused tag talk. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. I'm so glad to have you here and want to just get a little bit of background about your experience with laser tag. Um, first of all, how long have you been playing laser tag and where did it begin for you? How did this all get started? Yeah, so um, I have been playing laser tag now since I was eight years old. Um, that was uh, roughly 1986, um, and that all started here in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, the original laser tag was Photon, and that is what I played. So, uh, yeah, I was actually, it's, it's, I haven't seen my passport, my original passport in quite some time, but my original uh, passport, or that's what Photon called the membership cards for those listeners who may not know. But um, my original passport actually shows me being shorter than the you must be this tall to play line. Um, but my brother was already playing. He was already a member there. So they kind of looked the other way at the fact that I was a little bit shorter than I should have been um, and let me jump in. So uh, it's been a long time now, <laughs> a long, long time. So 1986, that is practically the beginning. So you're really kind of a veteran of it at this point. You could say that. Yeah. I, you know, I don't like to think about how long I've been playing per se, but <laughs> yeah, now there is a certain amount of uh, pride uh, in the fact that I have been playing so long and have been competing, um, you know, at a pretty high level now for a long time as well. Now, it's cool that you started with Photon, the original, and uh, something that not everybody may know is that really the Photon players are the ones who kind of came up with the whole concept of code names that so much of the laser tag industry has adopted since. So tell me about yours. Um, how did you get the name? Why is Havoc with a K so significant? And what does it represent right. to you? Yeah, so uh, as you can see, I, I actually have some Havoc gear as well. Um, I lucked out in that there's a rollerblade company that shares the same name and spells it the same way. So I can just buy their T-shirts and pretend like they're mine. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, the early days when you're kind of, you know, getting started in laser tag, um, at least for me, there were a lot of code names early on. I tried a lot of different things. Um, you know, a lot of the times me and my friends would go and we would just pick like a theme for the day. Uh, we would just be baseball players or we would be comic book characters or, you know, whatever it was. Um, you know, uh, I grew up as a pretty big comic book nerd um, back in the day and X-Men was my favorite comic. Um, the, the Summers brothers are Scott and Alex Summers, uh, Cyclops and Havoc. So my brother is uh, way more of the um, straight-laced kind of do-gooder, um, <laughs> uh, very well-behaved and, uh, you know, better performing in school and all that stuff. I was a little bit more of the black sheep, a little more of the wild child. 
And that's kind of uh, who Havoc is in that brother relationship with the Summers brothers in the X-Men books. So that's how I came to be Havoc. That's why it's spelled with a K because Marvel Comics <laughs> spells that character's name with a K. And uh, yeah, that's that's the history of the code name. I always think it's really interesting to find out where code names come from. Yeah. Now, all these years in laser tag, what would you say is your biggest claim to fame in the sport? Ooh, um, well, uh, I suppose the, um, the, the most accomplished, uh, thing that I've done is, um, I was part of a team that won all three Armageddons in the same year playing with psycho family, uh, a pretty, um, infamous or famous, however you want to look at it, team out of Stockholm, Sweden. Um, I also, uh, my original Lasertron team, um, won two years of Lasertron World Championships with only losing one game. Um, I then went to Austria and won the first ever European Lasertron Championship. So most of my accomplishments, um, even though I come from the Photon world and have since become kind of a multi-system tag player, most of my tournament accomplishments have been in the uh, Tron realm specifically. All right. Well, that begs the question then, what are some of your favorite systems to play? Oh, wow. Uh, so I, I honestly, I like most. Um, and, and it's really, um, they all have different things to offer, right? So it just depends. Uh, it, it depends what you're after. Um, you know, games like Ultra Zone are way more um, team focused and rely a lot more on that aspect of tag, you know, communication with your teammates and, you know, pretty um, elaborate and detailed strategies like what to do, you know, are we going to defend base? Are we going to attack base? Which base are we going to attack when? How are we going to decide when we cut from a, a base defense um, versus then you've got more kind of individual systems like laser quest? where, you know, there are no uh, team objectives per se. There's no like base to defend or attack. Um, so it doesn't really require as much in the way of strategy. It's more of a tactical game and it comes down to way more individual matchups um, and kind of little clusters of matchups throughout the arena, as opposed to, um, you know, really having kind of set strategy for where to be when and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Tron obviously uh, being kind of my home system, quote unquote, these days has a special place in my heart. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm a competitive person by nature. I want to compete in a tournament scene that has a lot of uh, a lot of players, a lot of different places to play and a high level of competition. And for the past several years now. I mean, even before COVID, but especially since COVID, having, you know, LaserQuest closed down and some of the other legacy systems have, you know, more centers have closed down. They're harder to find. I would say UltraZone is probably the system out there um, that I'm most interested in participating at in a tournament setting um, going forward right now, at least. Well, tournaments are rife with stories. And what I found is that laser tag players tell some of the best stories. And when people get together, you can just like go to all hours of the night talking tag. And so that's really what the focus of this podcast is going to be about. I want to hear some stories. So I'd love to know what is the most unbelievable thing that has ever happened to you or your team at a tournament? 
Wow. Um, that's a good one. We've had, um, so I've been playing tournaments since I was 18 years old. Uh, so roughly 25 years of tournament tag at this point. Um, there are a number of stories. I'm going to try to keep this PG. So we will <laughs> talk about, um, so one of the, one of the funnier things that we used to do um, a lot of us uh, over the years, especially earlier on, you know, now now kind of being um, nerdy or um, kind of odd is a little more in fashion than it used to be. Uh, but once upon a time when we were traveling to these tournaments, we were a little bit embarrassed to tell people, you know, when we were sitting at the bar or the restaurant after the tournament, hanging out or sitting in the hot tub at the hotel you know, these people would come in and, you know, oh, what are you guys doing here? Why are you in Buffalo on this random weekend in the summer, you know, or why are you in Michigan in this random weekend in the summer? Uh, so we started telling people that we were a traveling dojo, <laughs> that we were that we were mixed martial artists. Um, and that's that that's what we did. That's what we traveled as. And it just became this whole thing for several years with my old Lasertron team, Overpower, uh, where we each had, you know, this guy was specialized in jujitsu and that guy specialized in, you know, he was more of a boxer and this thing and that thing. And it was this whole thing that, that we went on with for years. Um, you know, some of the, some of the shenanigans that I can think of, um, we were not above psychological warfare, um, and emotional warfare against our opponents. So we would do things like, call up the hotel lobby and, um, you know, set wake up calls for them at like five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning to wake people up, you know, all's fair in love and laser tag. Um, you know, nobody, nobody was injured during any of these events, but we definitely did, um, try to get some, some advantages where we could. Um, I mean, we've, we've played in some amazingly unique locations, um, you know, outdoor laser tag in two feet of snow in Stockholm, Sweden, where literally, you know, if you uh, if you tripped and fell, you were pretty much out of the game because your gun would be covered in snow and wouldn't be able to fire anymore. Your laser would be misaligned because you had gotten snow down your barrel. Uh, I mean, there was a great arena in um, Houston uh, that had a volcano in the middle of the arena. It was like prehistoric themed. Uh, that was a dark light center. And I think that place has been uh, long gone for quite some time now. But, um, you know, Scallywag Tag uh, is all over Ohio and Michigan. And those are some some pirate themed uh, spaces. So you walk in, it's like a pirate ship in the middle of the arena. And, um, you know, places where the walls move while you play there. There was an old laser force in York, Pennsylvania where they would actually, you know, move the arena and change it around while you were out there playing. Uh, that was a really unique experience. Um, I mean, there's just, there's so many, uh, you know, a lot of my tournament experience for the past two decades has been with the Armageddon tournament, which I know you're familiar with, um, you know, multi, multi-system, multi-center tournament over the course of three or four days. And we've really, played in some very unique <clears throat> situations. We've also imported systems into arenas before where we actually bring 
you know, the radio, the antennas and all the equipment and we play, you know, a different system in an arena for, let's say, UltraZone. We'll also set it up and play Laser Storm and Laser Cues uh, are there. Uh, so, you know, we've had some situations where, you know, I know people have done um, world records with Guinness where they, you know, play laser tag for 24 hours or 48 hours at a time. Well, we've done that competitively at tournaments where we've played, you know, three or four different systems over the course of 16 hours. Um, basically with no breaks or rest in between, you know, other than a game break, a two game break here or there. Um, so yeah, that, you know, the, the grueling aspect of Armageddon playing that many systems, um, back to back to back over that many days in a row is another thing that really stands out. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, (laughs) there's, there's so many. Might not have intentionally set any world records, but uh, Ricky wanted to set his own limits, right? Yeah, well, that's you know that's kind of that's that's kind of what uh, what Armageddon's about, really. Um, You know, pushing pushing those limits. Um, I mean, you know, uh, at the face of it, we're just trying to get as many games in as we can, but there is a certain amount of um, you know endurance and. like you said, pushing yourself to the limit and, and seeing what your body can do, what your what your mind can do, um, and staying friends with everybody involved. And for those who aren't familiar with the Armageddon tournament, could you just kind of describe what that experience is like and what it's all about? Yeah, so uh, Armageddon is a tournament that uh, you mentioned Ricky, Ricky Vega, a.k.a. Dark Angel, um, best known uh, from the Laser Quest community at this point, but Ricky's been playing tag, um, you know, since the very beginning. I think Ricky started in 1985 in Dallas with Photon um, at one of the first centers that opened up. So um, a long time ago, uh, 20 some years at this point, uh, back in 1998, 1999, Ricky had the idea to um, put put everybody's um, skills to the test and and see which of the laser tag communities, if any, would be the best to adapt to all these different systems. You know, we were all kind of sitting in our own corners at that point. Uh, the Ultra Zone world, the Laser Quest world, um, Laser Blast, Qzar, Photon, you name it. Uh, we were all just kind of doing our own thing. There were players that, you know, dabbled in um, other systems tournaments from time to time. People like Ricky, like my brother, um, Daydream Lee, um elmo from from texas uh we're playing like tron and zone but it was really just a social thing more than anything nobody was really super serious about more than one system um but there was a lot of chatter online uh this is back in the alt sport laser tag days um the the old news groups and uh you know my system's better than yours this is why my system requires more athleticism or more skill or more strategy or whatever it is You know, this is why the way we play laser tag is the right way to play laser tag, um, because every system has its own not only unique equipment for the most part, but also its own unique um, settings and rules and and all that kind of good stuff. So um, the the idea was really to just get everybody together. uh, And we ended up doing that in Texas for the first two years, I believe. And then we took the tournament on the road. Um, but yeah, just to get as many systems as we could over the course of a three or four day weekend and, um, you know, 
see see how everybody's skills translated to the or didn't <laughs> to the different systems involved. And uh, yeah, we've been doing it now. You know, we've had a few years off because of COVID, um, but we're getting back to it this year. It'll be taking place again in the, the beginning of July. It's always right around that 4th of July weekend. And uh, we get together from all over the world, really. People come over from Sweden. Uh, we, you know, people come over from the UK, um, down from Canada, from all over the United States. And we meet up in a central location. We get on a tour bus and we travel around for three or four days, um, hotels, meals, everything uh, all together pretty much. And um, just, you know, have it out, <laughs> have, have an all on laser war for four days. And it is quite an experience. Now, talking about these different systems. So every system has its own nuances and its own set of rules and guidelines. And those who are kind of coming up in it are very familiar with all of these specific rules and things that come along with it. But it's it's pretty tough to go through, you know, a number of systems and know everything that goes with it. So I want to know, what is the rule that you are most notorious for breaking? Oh, um, so Laser Force is an amazing system. They have a fantastic tournament scene, both here in the United States, but also outside as well. Uh, some European tournaments, but really Australia is where kind of uh, the heart of their scene is. They've got just dozens, if not hundreds of teams over there. Laser Force has a very unique rule set, and it is exceptionally hard to follow Laser Force rules if you are not used to laser force rules. Here, so here. in my tournament <laughs> career, I would say the rules that I've probably broken most have been either the no following rule or uh, sensor for a sensor. Um, in most systems, it's pretty standard practice to do your very best to uh, without blind firing because you generally don't want to have uh, your phaser hanging around a corner where somebody's face can run into it or you can, you know, end up uh, coming across somebody's neck as they're coming around a corner or whatever. So generally blind firing is, is against the rules in every system, just from a safety standpoint. But Laser Force has a rule, as I'm sure you're familiar with, um, where you have to have at least one more sensor besides your gun exposed to, uh, or your phaser, sorry, um, exposed to whoever you are targeting at that time. And that is a very tough <laughs> rule to follow when you come from systems where you do your best to hide your sensors at all points possible uh, within the frame of the rules. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, inadvertently, I'm, I'm really a stickler for rules. That's really um, a big thing with me. I can accept all kinds of trash talk. I can accept all sorts of people being poor sports or, you know, poor winners or losers. Um, I really don't like when people intentionally break the rules. So if you ever see me in a game and I'm doing something wrong, I assure you it is based purely on my own ignorance or uh, inattentiveness. I am not intending to do so. I would rather get hit and play fairly than cheat and uh, have an advantage because of it. Okay, so we're going to be following the rules, but talk is something else. So I want to know what is the most absurd thing that someone has said to you in the laser tag context and maybe flip that and say, what's the most absurd thing you've had to say in laser tag? Oh, wow. Um, so when you've been playing against the same people for a few decades, there's a certain level of familiarity there. 
Um, so there's a lot of talk that goes back and forth for sure. Um, you know, Ricky, as you mentioned, um, <laughs> Ricky and I have played with and against each other in just about every system now. Um, I'm pretty positive. I've uh, I've made up songs on the spot about Ricky and how tasty his shoulders were. Um, you know, you have different different sensors on the pack. Uh, and I can remember a specific, um, there was a system called Actual Reality, uh, which in my opinion is one of the worst names for a laser tag system ever. But um, I think there might still be a few AR sites available, but I'm, I'm not positive anymore. I, I've lost track at this point. I think uh, we might I remember, be down to just one. Yeah, the in Pennsylvania. I believe uh, that might be the last, yes. Planet Trog, probably. Anyway, um, I definitely remember a, a specific game against Ricky uh, where I was, yeah, I was literally singing to him about eating his shoulders um, as I just followed him. He had a poor pack on. I had a God pack on. The most ridiculous thing that's ever been said to me, not necessarily trash talk, uh, but, you know, equipment problems happen, right? Especially at a tournament like Armageddon, where we're playing these legacy systems um, that, you know, are decades old. Equipment hasn't been available for a long time. Um, so you can run into technical issues. And I was playing a good buddy of mine, Bob uh, Tavis um, from uh, Oklahoma City, famous Laser Quest player. And I spent this one particular game following Bob the entire game, trying to shoot um, the only sensor on his pack that was working, but wasn't working very well. And I was literally chasing Bob throughout the entire arena um, because I was being so ineffective at trying to put him down. He had no clue that this was going on uh, for the last several minutes of the game. So we come out of the arena. Um, I was still a, uh, a pretty young man at the time. Let's say, I don't know, somewhere between 18 and 21, probably. Um, so this is, you know, half, half my age now. Um, and I'm, I'm just fuming. I'm absolutely, you know, steam coming out of my ears and, and neck and everything. And I'm, you know, I'm explaining to my team that Bob's pack couldn't be touched. Well, Bob has no idea. Bob comes out of the game. He sees this ridiculously high score that he's got. And he walks over being the friendly, you know, jovial guy that he is just to say, hey, you know, that was a fun game. <laughs> and, and I just turned around and I was like, Bob, you know, blah, 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 you can't be hit. You couldn't buy, you know, blah, it's just losing my mind, just going crazy. And Bob just turns to me and goes, oh, nice game. Sorry you had problems, you know, and it's just. It wasn't, Bob didn't intend it to be rude in any way, but given the context of what my team had just listened to and the emotion that was just pouring out of my body, it was one of the most memorable things that's ever been said to me just because it was intended to be so kind, but really at the time sent me entirely over the edge. I can't imagine something sending you over the edge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a great story and kind of uh, leads me to wonder, were there any stories you could think of about something that it couldn't happen again if you tried? Oh, wow. Um, so I'm trying to think of specific. One of the best in-game moments at Armageddon that I can remember um, you know, I'm a Tron player. Uh, I'm supposed to do well at Tron. 
But for me, doing well in a game is not about scoring points necessarily, right? As long as my team's winning, I honestly don't care what my score looks like. I've got nothing to prove. I just want the gold medal at the end of the four days. That's that's what matters to me. That's what I'm there for. So um, a lot of times in Tron at Armageddon or even at Tron tournaments, if I'm not playing a you know, particularly high level team, um, most of what I do is just kind of scoreboard watch, honestly, and kind of um, call the game for my team as like a field general, right? So um, in, in the one format um, of Lasertron called Chips, um, players are randomly assigned a power-up every uh, minute of game time, basically, right? So it's 30 seconds, a chip will come on, then 30 seconds, it'll be off. And, it, you know, it's quote-unquote random, but it does go through a cycle. So if you haven't had a chip in the last three cycles and you know a chip cycle's coming up, then you can kind of, you know, uh, using an educated guess, try to figure out, okay, it's probably going to be this person and this person. Well, we were playing a really close game of Tron. Uh, I can't remember the team name that year. Um, Might have been Massive Egos. I don't recall. But it was uh, me and Hot Dice were uh, Justin from Canada, Toronto. We're uh, in the middle of this game. It was a really close game against a good team. You know, they definitely know what they're doing in Tron. Um, so we were playing hard, but I was still kind of playing back because I didn't want to get caught off guard with them making a big base run or whatever. And the last chip comes around. I know I haven't had a chip. Um, I don't know who else on my team has or hasn't at that point. Uh, but Hot Dice and I are standing next to each other. And, you know, I looked at him and told him I'm about to get a chip. And he says, I am too. And at that like exact moment, deactivator mode active and it was both of us and we were right in the middle of the other team and what had been a close game and was looking like you know might come down to the last few seconds just went topsy-turvy for them in the in the span of about you know 1.2 seconds as dice and i both you know came up in deactivator mode standing basically right there in the middle of all of them and just, you know, I mean, you're talking about probably a five to 15,000 point swing for our team. It was just the perfect moment at, at just the right time to kind of steal the deal. And I think that winning that game might even have kind of sealed the deal on the tournament at that point um, and given us the gold because, you know, at a certain point, there's only so many games left. Um, so that was that was a really special moment that both he and I, you know, look back on and smile about a lot. Very cool. Now, you've made it pretty clear that the gold is a big motivator for you, but what else about laser tag makes it what makes it really worthwhile to you to spend your time doing this? Yeah, uh, family, you know, I mean, it really is a community. Um, like I said, I've been playing against a lot of these players now. I've been playing against people like Ricky since I was 18, 19 years old. <laughs> you know, um, it really does go well beyond friendship. Uh, you know, people, we, we, we've been in each other's weddings, we're godparents to each other's children and things like that. You know, it's, it's well beyond um, competition. Uh, obviously, if I'm showing up somewhere, I want to win, right? You know, I mean, nobody, nobody shows up looking to lose. So that, that's always, that's always a good goal to have. And certainly, you know, when I'm building a team, as I tend to be uh, either a captain or a co-captain at this point, um, I'm building a team that I think will win a tournament, but, 
Um, above and beyond that, I'm going to tournaments to see my family and friends, or um, if I'm not going to see people that I've known for decades, then I'm going somewhere new. Um, you know, I'm going to be in Germany at the end of this week. And I've played Ultra Zone a few different times in Germany now. Uh, I went up to um, their Zone Nats in Germany in Frankfurt a few years back. And I, I only knew two or three people that were there. Um, but I just went to check out a new arena, as I know you understand that motivation. Um, you know, you, you kind of... Uh, you see enough of them and you start to want to see them all uh, because it's um, every, every arena has something to offer. Um, I, I feel like I can comfortably say that um, even some of the smallest arenas I've been to have generally had some really unique feature or, um, you know, we're just in a cool location or, you know, whatever it was. Um, so that's the other thing, aside from going to see, you know, friends slash, you know, the people that I call family, um, traveling to new places, you know, there are definitely places in the world that I would not have been, uh, or at least certainly wouldn't have been a half a dozen times at this point, if it weren't for laser tag. Um, I certainly don't think I would have been to Austria at this point. I don't think I would have been to Sweden at this point, you know. Um, these are places that I traveled specifically to go participate in tag events. And I've now got friends in generally all of these places um, because of those travels. I relate very well to what you're saying. And you're absolutely right that these arenas, there's something unique and special about every one. And some of them really do stand out in your mind a little bit more than others. Is there any one arena that just completely blows your mind and is like a favorite or the craziest arena that you've ever seen? So Europe has very different um health code and kind of fire code than we do here in the States. So some of the European centers absolutely have um, very memorable pieces to them as far as um, hazardous conditions, shall we say. Uh, you would never see an arena in the States with a set of stairs in the middle of it. Um, but that is something that you will see in, in Sweden. For, uh, for instance. Um, so there are some very unique European centers. The um, the place that had the first ever European Lasertron Championship, NXP, in uh, St. Polten, uh, Austria, was probably the coolest center I've ever been to. So in Europe, way more than here in the States, laser tag is not a like little kid thing. Um, you go to a lot of European laser tag centers and there are locker rooms and showers there. Um, you know, people are going and using it as a workout. Um, people are going and doing it just as part of their night out. You know, people will go play two or three games of tag and then take a shower and get changed and go to the club afterwards. Um, whereas I feel like you know, here in the States, when when Photon lost popularity, um, laser tag took a turn from kind of being focused on competition and athleticism and went more the birthday party route. Um, and there's a lot of different, you know, uh, theories on why that happened. A lot of people attribute the fact that Photon went after kind of that 
um, kids market with, you know, like the cartoon and toys and things like that as being the thing that kind of, you know, turned turned the corner on laser tag here in the States. Um, but for whatever reason, that didn't happen in Europe. Um, so anyway, this particular center in Austria, NXP, they have bowling, they have pool tables, they have ping pong tables, they have a climbing wall, they have a full bar, <laughs> um, you know. As a 42-year-old man, uh, occasionally, I like to enjoy an adult beverage while I'm playing my laser tag. Um, you know, obviously, you don't want to be getting hammered while you're running around exerting yourself, dodging back and forth with all these fun matrix moves that we use to try to avoid laser beams. But, um, you know, a, a beverage every now and then or after the games are done is a really nice option to have. Um, and I think it just it helps attract that more mature crowd um, that, you know, if you're looking for a competitive side of things, obviously, yeah, there are some kids that are really good at laser tag, but I do not as a 42 year old man want to compete against 12 and 13 year olds. You know, you want to be around your peers, um, or at least people <laughs> slightly closer in age for the most part. So, um, you know, having that adult, um, feature to a laser tag center, I think is uh, unfortunately really unique here in the States. We don't have very many of them at all, um, but over in Europe, it's much more common. And NXP is one that just really did it well. You know, the arena itself was great. The equipment was well-maintained, um, but it was in this beautiful setting right up against a lake uh, where people come and kayak and fish and all this stuff. So literally you just walked outside the center and sat in one of these Adirondack chairs and you were watching these swans and, and people. It was just the most serene, um, you know, combination um, of just fantastic setting um, and beautiful center all combined. Very nice. Now, obviously, you want to play around peers, but there is a whole new generation of laser tag players coming up. So I'd love to know what advice you might have for somebody who wants to dip their toe into the competitive scene or start maybe following in your footsteps as far as uh, going to all these different places. What would you say to somebody who wants to get into laser tag? So um, regardless of what sport or game it is uh one of the most effective things i think you can do is to study players that you admire um i i play a lot of bocce ball <laughs> i don't know if you're familiar with what bocce ball is but oh, i grew up know, in Rome, new york <laughs> there, there you go right so uh yeah basically giant italian marbles um and yeah when i started bocce a long time ago the best advice i got was one of the one of the old guys pulled me aside and said, you decide uh, who you like that shoots and who you like that points and watch them both, you know? And if you like the way that guy points, then point the way that guy points, you know? It might be that you find that the way that they stand or the thing that they do doesn't work for you, but at least it gives you a starting point, right? And it gives you something that you can um, set as a goal, whether you end up, using that technique or that strategy for the rest of your career or not, it gives you a goal to set to get to a point where I can do it the way this person does. Right. And I think that's very effective in tag. I was lucky, you know, early on in the photon days, there were a lot of people that um, knew my brother and, you know, were like you said, uh, we're kind of an older generation. And I was that new generation coming up. 
um, that they needed to keep the scene alive. So um, they were happy to help us and give us advice and kind of take us under their wing. And um, yeah, I mean, just really paying attention to what other people do, um, even even in the game. <laughs> you know, I mean, I understand you don't want to stop and watch somebody, but um, sometimes paying attention to where you're getting tagged is more important than trying to get the tag you're trying to get sometimes. Um, sometimes your role in a game in laser tag is just to occupy the other player. Um, and I know that might sound weird, but, you know, sometimes it's not about outscoring someone. Sometimes it's about occupying someone. Um, and you can't do that unless you pay attention to what that person's doing, you know, to try to cut down on the amount of points you're giving up while you try to occupy them. Um, so that's a big thing. The, the other thing that I would say uh, that's most important to me that my teammates do. And, you know, as I said, I'm generally a team captain at this point. So I won't even look to pick you up on my team unless you're a good communicator. Uh, for me, that is way more important than your actual skill set at this point um, to let me know what's going on at all times. There is nothing more frustrating in tag other than maybe equipment malfunctions. There's nothing more frustrating than I get shot and I turn around and I see that you as my teammate got shot before I did standing right behind me and didn't say a word to me about that guy being there or about that girl being there. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just unacceptable in my book. So communicate, you know, there are different systems where uh, there are rules like dead men don't speak. Um, you know, once you get hit, all you can say is that you were hit. Um, and that's obviously a different situation, but most systems do not have that rule. Most systems, you are absolutely allowed to say, you know, Ricky just hit me and he's upstairs, you know, or behind you or behind me or, you know, things like that. So communication, um, paying attention to what your opponents do or what your teammates do, um, going and playing different systems, you know, even if you're not interested in playing a tournament like Armageddon, going and playing other laser tag systems will give you skills that you can use in your system as well. Uh, whether it's timing, whether it's, um, you know, certain systems, the phaser is more sensitive than others. Certain systems don't even have a phaser sensor. Uh, that's photon, the system I come from. So a lot of systems where it's easy to be hit in the phaser are really tough for me because I don't have that natural instinct to keep my phaser moving, thinking about it being a target, right? So it's very helpful for me to go play something like Laser Quest or to play something like um, Laser Tron, uh, where the, the phaser is easy to be hit, um, because it makes me think about that phaser movement in other systems as well. Um, so absolutely, I would say, you know, travel to other centers, travel to other systems, um, be aware of what your teammates and what your opponents do and communicate. That would probably be my top three things to get better at laser tag. Excellent advice. And while you're traveling to these other centers, maybe you pick up a t-shirt here or there or a membership card. Uh, I think past a point you, you kind of acquire a, a fairly decent tag swag collection. Do you have a tag swag collection? Indeed. Uh, yeah, there's a big, uh, you know, 40 gallon tote of T-shirts and 
um, awards and medals and posters and scorecards and membership cards and all that good stuff. So what is the coolest piece of laser tag memorabilia that you have acquired? Cool. Um, so I, I, my photon pod um, has to be my, my favorite piece. Right with um, you. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and specifically um, the old, so photon actually had a players association for a little while and the logo from that players association just so happened to be very similar to uh, the way Havoc was drawn for many years. Um, so I have a special uh, affection for that Players Association logo. And the uh, the Photon Pod that I have has that on the, the chest. Um, so that is by far uh, kind of the, you know, the, the piece de resistance. Um, I have a lot of weird uh, little things that are, are cool to me, too, just because you know, they're unique and, and they're old and, and a lot of other people don't have them at this point. Um, but definitely if I was going to break out, you know, the one thing to show somebody, hey, look, this is how much of a laser tag person I am. I would definitely come walking out with the pack on. <laughs> I hear you. Now, is there a laser tag artifact out there that you would just love to get your hands on? Uh, so heartbreaking story. Um as I said, Photon had a lot of memorabilia. Photon signed lots of different licensing deals um, and cashed in on a lot of different products. Everything from underoos and tennis shoes to lunchboxes. Uh, so uh, a lot of us have the lunchbox. The lunchboxes are not particularly hard to find. Pretty easy to find them in decent condition. And you can generally find them pretty cheap, too. The artwork from that lunchbox is kind of a cool, um, it's a, you know, Photon had a very uh, unique vibe to it, right? It had this whole lore and mythos. There were books written about Photon. There's, you know, a whole history of, um, you know, these different characters, uh, Bodie Lee, you know, um, et cetera. And, Anyway, um, the, the artwork from that lunchbox is kind of this space-themed, uh, like foggy, and it's got some of the, the alien towers, um, which were a very um, unique and memorable uh, arena feature from Photon Arenas. Um, and it's just this, this cool little piece. Years ago on eBay, back when I was still hunting memorabilia like crazy, um, I found the original painting for that lunchbox and the guy wanted a ridiculous amount of money for it. Um, I believe it was listed for $500. And I mean, this is like a, a eight by 10 or like 12 by 12. You know, I mean, this is a small little watercolor. He literally got it out of the dumpster um, at the factory where the, uh, you know, the artwork was being stored when it was getting cleared out, somebody just chucked all the stuff. And I reached out to the guy and I said, look, I'm the only one crazy enough to buy this and I am not going to give you $500. So let's figure out a reasonable price. Um, and I would love to buy this from you. Otherwise you're probably never going to sell it because if you don't sell it to me and you insist on trying to get a price like this, it's just not going to happen. Um, and the guy was not willing to budge on his price. So I think I ended up offering him 300 um, and he still wouldn't take it. And 
you know, who knows whatever happened to that painting. Uh, if, if I ever see it again, maybe I will <laughs> change my mind at this point. Now that Photon is unfortunately dead and gone, um, at least for, for the time being. Um, but yeah, that, that's the one that got away for me. Um, there have been some other really crazy things over the years, like signs uh, that realistically I couldn't have, <laughs> you know, had any storage for. Uh, but that painting is the one that I could have had a place for that I really wish I had gotten. Mm, that is a heartbreaker. Hopefully it landed in good hands somewhere. Right. Well, other than souvenirs, what's the best thing that you've gotten out of laser tag? Oh, well, um, <laughs> I guess I could get mushy on you for a second. I am dating a laser tag player, <laughs> so I would not have met her uh, if it weren't for laser tag. So, um, you know, as uh, corny or mushy as that may be, I absolutely 100% have to say that my girlfriend, hi, Rochelle, is, uh, is the best thing that I've gotten besides the trophies and the, uh, the uh, souvenirs, um, you know, but obviously above and beyond uh, that relationship would just be the relationships in general. Well, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that the friendships that you make in laser tag are amazing. And so great to know that you found a relationship out of that as well. And uh, what do you say we wrap things up with some rapid fire tag talk? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to throw some questions at you fast. Just gut reaction. I want your uh, quick answer right back. So favorite laser tag system of all time. Photon. Favorite arena. Oh, wow. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick to NXP. I really I'm going to stick to that Lasertron arena over in Austria. They did a great job. Coolest person you've ever met through laser tag. Oh, wow. Uh, I have met some insanely cool people at laser tag. Um, wow. Uh, I'm going to say my buddy Seatree from Scotland. Seatree, uh, I am a man of many uh, bizarre hobbies and uh, habits. Seatree um, has even more. Seatree is a fire spinner. He's a uh, uh, parquet. He does parkour. He battles with broadswords in knights of R in suits of armor. Um, he's, he's just a really, really, uh, unique, creative individual. And, um, yeah, it's always fun to, to, uh, check in with C-Tree and see what he's up to. Coolest place you've ever visited because of laser tag. Stockholm, Sweden. Best prize you've ever won. Oh, uh, money. <laughs> um, you know, as cool as the, the golden phasers, and the plaques and all that stuff are, um, these tournaments aren't cheap. And when you're traveling from Baltimore over to Austria to go play in a tournament for four or five days and, and all that good stuff, it's nice to win a check at the end to help offset that cost. So um, not by any means the reason I play tag, uh, but definitely the coolest tournaments are the ones where I win some money back. Favorite tournament? Favorite tournament is Armageddon, hands down. And favorite laser tag blog website that now features an awesome laser tag podcast. <laughs> that would be um, yours is a great site, of course. Um, I always love seeing all the crazy stuff you're doing. I don't know 
how you find the energy to be in all these places and keep up with all these kids and play in all these crazy marathon nights that you do. Um, but it is absolutely awesome that you do. And I'm so glad that you do. Um, shout out also to um, the uh, Laser Force podcast that uh, Thanatos runs. Those guys do a great job as well. Uh, that's the only other tag podcast that I listen to. <laughs> so They do do a great job. So shout out to the resupply. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to thank you, Scott, for taking some time to talk some tag with me. That is Scott Altpeter, a.k.a. Havoc with a K. Thank you for joining me for some laser unfocused tag talk. Let the light uh, shine, sure. Scott. It's really been my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. Keep doing all the great stuff you do. I can't wait to see who you have on next. Thanks for checking out this episode of Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Listen for more episodes on the first and third Friday of each month. Want to be a guest on an upcoming episode? Find out more and follow my blog and website at tibiachickloveslasertag.com.